the Four Horsemen. What you have here is the Four Horsemen, united, live, and exciting color. Um, not those Four Horsemen. These Four Horsemen discuss theology from different viewpoints, different perspectives, as we show people how to have discussions without turning into a keyboard warrior. Are you stupid? Now, here's Dennis Thurman, Adam Black, Benjamin Kerfman, and Derek McCarson, the Four Horsemen. In the late 1980s, I was a pastor in Charlotte when a whole bunch of tornadoes came sweeping through just east of the Charlotte area, um, Red Hill, uh, Indian Springs. And so we gathered together a group of fellas on a Saturday, the next Saturday, and drove over there because an appeal had gone out from the North Carolina Baptist State Convention where anybody could come help. And so we took off over there. None of us had any experience in disaster relief. It was not even an organized effort, but it was a desperate need. It was amazing when we got over there to see what those tornadoes had done, the the sheer power of those. And so they put me in charge and our guys of doing something I was very gifted at, and that was basically destroying a church. It was a real gift of mine. So (laughs) what we had to do is tear the roof off and and everything else uh, and get it down to the block building so that they then could could rebuild the facility. And so we worked there all day. That was my first experience with, quote, disaster relief having an opportunity to go out there and respond. Well, since then, uh, North Carolina Baptists have become uh, among the preeminent of those that have responded to disasters. And so we have with us uh, our worship pastor at Pole Creek Baptist Church, Steve Schultz, who has uh, really helped us in many of those uh, areas to get our church plugged in. I'm Dennis Thurman, and I'm your host for this podcast and I have with me, along with Brother Steve, uh, Adam Black, and Jerry McCarson, and Benjamin Kerfman. And we are the Four Horse Men. But we're glad to be able to talk to you about a very serious subject. And I hope that you will be inspired to make a difference, uh, to go out and show the love of Jesus. We talk about it a lot. It's a good thing to demonstrate it. And so I would let you know that after uh, Hurricane Dorian recently came through, that North Carolina Baptists on Mission are at work in Cedar Island in the town of Atlantic in Carteret County uh, following the devastation of that storm that came sweeping across. A disaster relief operations center is operational uh, at Atlantic Missionary Baptist Church. That area, of course, was impacted mainly by severe flooding and some wind damage as well as Dorian made its exit from the state on September the 6th. And so, uh, Steve, one of the things that I know you had already made some plans to take a group down for ongoing recovery efforts from last year's hurricane. So you might want to speak to, uh, to some of that and, uh, you know, where uh, folks can get involved. So just kind of give us a little thumbnail about what North Carolina Baptists are doing and how we've been involved. And any of you guys want to jump in with questions or comments, feel free. Well, North Carolina Baptist on Mission has been doing disaster relief for many, many decades. And so they allow uh, people like uh, anyone in a church to be able to plug in. That was the one thing that attracted me was as God led, him, led in my heart to be involved with, with disaster relief. Uh, there, are, there are entities out there that are doing disaster relief. And that's the one I first saw was just another, in another state. 
but I knew that that Baptist on Mission had an awesome uh, setup in a sense of what they've been doing. They've been growing it, and they have so many facilities. uh, avenues to go into uh, and so you, all you have to do is plug into it uh, so there's there's training involved that you can go to so you can actually feel a little more at home when you get there you kind of know what you're doing as you're mentioning you get out there and you're kind of what do I do uh, they they have places you can plug into that fits your personality or or gifts uh, anything from administration uh, feeding is a major uh, part of it. There's a feeding crew out where you just mentioned and another one out in Hatteras right now. They take out kitchens and they'll feed tens of thousands every day. Uh, there's also the, uh, of course, the recovery people who go in and do the tear out, like you're mentioning. You know, we got flooding. You're going to tear out drywall and insulation, those kind of things. Uh, there's assessors that go out and assess. They're the first ones out that go into the homes and say, what is it that needs to be done so they can get t- teams ready uh, to go in there and know what we're going to do when we get there. Um, there's all kinds of medical uh, and every logistics. So there's something for everyone. They can find a place to plug in and they do, uh, have training throughout, uh, the month of May throughout the state to help people get acclimated to what are they going to do when they get to the place uh, of service, when they get in, when they get a call out. Uh, you know, recovery is a, is a big part of it because obviously when you have, uh, many, many, uh, houses that are flooded, uh, damaged in some way, that's a key part. Uh, feeding is the other, uh, but also even one like right now is out in, in Hatteras is they've got uh, trailers that are set up for showers and laundry. Mm-hmm. Those are necessities that they take care of. And so they put all the things in place. All they need is people to come and say, I want to be a part. I want to be used. I want to get out there. And they have a very make it pretty easy. Um, you know, Baptist on Mission, you go on their website, baptistonmission.org. And right now, if you go on there, you'd see uh, that the, where they refer to uh, Hurricane Dorian response. You can watch a, a rotation, and then they go to Hurricane Florence response. That's where we were headed is that, uh, you know, when we were down in last uh, June, we were in Lumberton uh, doing rebuilds from Matthew. And we were uh, when Florence hit, Lumberton was 20 houses away from being completed. And then had to start over. And so we were going down there to Lumberton in that area on the East Coast there, uh, different places, to uh, do rebuilds. Because after all that stuff is tore out, now they got to be able to be put back. They're estimating right now they're looking at three to four years of rebuilding to get these places in. So, again, Baptist on Mission, what they have is uh, facilities that they've bought, uh, a school. They've got other places that they've actually purchased buildings set them up with bunk houses, if you will, uh, rooms with dining halls. So the teams can come in there, plug right in. You don't have to bring a, a cot or anything. You just show up and then you, they, they give you the jobs to do. You go out, uh, or fed all that and all that supply. And so make it, they make it pretty easy to, yeah. to plug in. Just need availability. Right. Well, and, and I think that's a key thing for folks listening out there. Uh, there are a lot of mission opportunities around, but when you talk about, for instance, flying to another country and some of the things you have to go through, the, the expenses, of course, are, are, you know, on up there. But this is something that is very economical for a church to participate. It just takes a, a willing person. And we even have had like teenagers 
and went mm-hmm. down there to do those yes. uh, those tear outs and so forth. So it's a good way to get them involved. But, but Steve, I want you to address this because I, I I know the story. Uh, we're not just helping meet people's physical needs, but we're dealing with spiritual needs. So mm-hmm. share a story too about the gospel opportunities that are there as a result of of doing these efforts. Well, you're, you're immediately uh, encountering uh, people that have gone through a very devastating thing in their life. Uh, the life has been turned upside down. And so the biggest thing that I always tell teams when we go down there is that we have a task we're doing physically, but if somebody comes up and our homeowner's there, you drop what you're doing and you talk and minister and talk to them and, and open up opportunities. And you never know when those those will pop up. Uh, for instance, right after Matthew, I was down doing assessing, uh, and I was at a home, and a gentleman was there, and we were walking around his home assessing damage to his roof, inside his house, all those kind of things. We stood outside, and there was a home next to his, and uh, he shared with me that that was a, a brother's house, and uh, that he had uh, been in some trouble in his life, but uh, just before Matthew hit, uh, he was killed in that home. And so he asked me if I could go in that house and look and see if I could do anything for that. It's the first time he'd been in the house. And I said, well, sure, we could go in there and look at that. But we came out, and he was a very, very solemn time because his brother was was murdered in that house. Wow. So as we, as we walked back outside, we started talking about, you know, uh, where would you spend eternity if that happened to you? Perfect opportunity Absolutely. to share the gospel right there. And he says, well, I hope that I would be in heaven. I said, well, guess what? We can know for sure. Amen. So I shared the gospel with him, and right there right in his front yard, he prayed to receive Christ. Praise the Lord. So those are the kind of things that, you know, opportunities that come up. Uh, you know, each one is going to be different. Each home is different, each person. But it's definitely an opportunity to share, uh, to encourage, to pray over. You know, I, I say this, as you mentioned teenagers, but women. Going out on these trips with us, with women, uh, it's awesome because a lot of times women can relate better to women. And so I've taken them. Go figure. And, yeah, imagine, imagine that. Uh, and, and gone out there and say, you know, there's somebody that's really distraught. Well, I can send one of my women and say, go, go, that, this is your job. Yeah, go love on them. Go love on those people. And then that, to see the turnaround that can happen within just a short amount of time from the distress to then relief. And of course, we pray over everyone that we go get a chance to, to speak with. Yeah. And I want to give a shout out to another uh, couple of our members, Monty and Beth Rogers, a husband and wife team, and they're very uh, dedicated to this work. And uh, Monty serves as an assessor that you're talking about, and Beth uh, in the administrative mm-hmm. uh, position, and they're down there right now. They they pretty much are you know first responders, so to speak, when one of these calls goes out. That's right. That's right. They're down there for a two-week deployment, and they'll be down there and getting everything going uh, down there. Then they'll come back and uh, on on uh, Florence, they were back multiple times for those two weeks stints. Yeah. So we we fuss sometimes about church members that don't show up for worship in cases like that. We're glad. Yeah. <laughs> we're glad they're out there making a, a difference. So, uh, you other guys, um, have you had some experiences in disaster relief and being involved in that, or perhaps your church, or do you have some questions about how you could? Uh, get involved so i've been talking a lot so uh. yeah so let's talk to the guy or the gal out there who feels compelled to jump into this ministry they want to make a difference maybe they can't go to um india or honduras or wherever on a mission trip but they can do this for a week how do they get involved well, the easiest way is to get on baptistlawmission.org. And, and as soon as you get on there and you see uh, where 
Hurricane Florence, Hurricane, whatever it is, there's a there's a button called that says get involved. And you hit that, it takes you right there, fill out a form, and you know, they will if if there's multiple sites, uh like last year with Florence, there was fifteen sites across the eastern Carolina. They put you where where it's needed. Uh the best thing to do, obviously, is a little bit of training. And that's again offered up in May to get some training to know what to do, but that's very simple to do. You know, it's a one one day uh, training, uh, but really it's just getting some getting along with someone else. Uh, I offer a lot of times the association to say, "Hey, anybody wants to come, come along with me." Uh, that allows people to get their foot in the door to try it and see what it's like. How? What is it going to take? Um, that when you get to a site. They have tool trailers set up so you don't really have to have a trailer and all the equipment to carry down there. You just got to show up and say, here I am and, and be ready to work. Uh, so it's really that that easy um, uh, getting deployed into those kind of areas. Um, if a church is wanting to get a little bit more involved with it, like we did when we started out, we just we had a trailer already from Katrina. It was an empty trailer sitting over in a, in a garage, and we pulled that thing out and started doing some things to help outfit that. We used uh, our 5K, carry across 5K funds one year to, to help fund that and get the, the trailer full of tools that you would need. We're able to pull up on a site and either do recovery or rebuild uh, whatever's needed on those. But anybody uh, could jump in and say, hey, I want to be a part uh, through uh, the association but also through uh, Baptist Hall, Baptist Hall Mission. It sounds like something that would be great as an extension of a men's ministry oh, yeah. in the church. Definitely. I mean, you know, you've got so many men in churches who maybe are skilled with their hands, uh, know enough to be dangerous at least, yet they don't feel comfortable plugging into other ministries in the church. You know, they're not going to maybe sing in choir or teach mm-hmm. Sunday school or work with kids per se, but, man, this would be something that would be right up their alley. So it sounds like a good way to get those kind of guys plugged into ministry. No doubt, no doubt at all. And the thing is, is with recovery, you really don't have to have a whole lot of skill. Like Pastor said, give you a sledgehammer wrecking bar and go at it, you know, and start tearing stuff up, carrying it out. And uh, that that's the thing is that you don't have to have a lot of skill uh, to do those kind of things on the recovery side. You know, rebuilds a little bit more. You want to have a little bit. But as long as there's one person on the team who has some construction knowledge, you're good to go. I've used people that have zero construction knowledge on a team, and, and they're able to do anything you put in front of them. You say, this is how you do this, and there you go. Yeah, and while they're on the mission field, while they're doing the rebuild or takedown or whatever it is, they're building relationships with oh, yeah. those other people that they're on the trip with. And yeah. they're going to take that back to their church. And that's going to create a buzz as they talk about it and mm-hmm. hopefully get other people involved. I know when I've done projects like that, it seems like the uh, you, you've been to war, so to speak, with that brother. Mm-hmm. And you have a special bond with them that you're not going to get just getting together um, for small group or worship on Sunday. Because, you know, you've been to battle and you've sweated together and you've worked together. And uh, that's that's a valuable experience. It is. It is. And and as leaders, we can also see uh, other people grow in that. You know, you're you're modeling what it looks like uh, to do the evangelism. And I talked about before, uh, there was a time we went on to Hickory on a rebuild. And uh, and I gave my same speech that, hey, if there's work to be done, but if somebody comes up, 
you need to stop and, and, and administer to that person. And I was running trim. I was running the saw. I had a whole crew in there laying the trim down and I had everything's going on. A guy walks up and I knew in my heart when I saw him, I said, I need to stop. And I kept for about two minutes, I kept going. And then I said, Nope, here he comes. He's coming into the yard. So I stopped the saw, stopped every, everybody, everybody stopped work and they watched what I did. And, you know, as they stopped and they saw the saw, what was going on, I was able to share with him. He was a Christian, but had been slipping for a while. So we had, we have Bibles on our trailer. So I got a Bible, prayed with him, you know, so they are able to see that. And they actually commented when I got back, that was so awesome to see uh, that being lived out. Mm, powerful. Cause powerful. then, you know, you get them out of their comfort zone, so to speak, you get them out of their zip code Yeah. and you're modeling that they're in a place that's uh, maybe going to be a little bit more free for them to mm-hmm. serve or share Christ. It's interesting. You kind of have to take somebody halfway across the world to get them to go across the street or exactly. the hallway to share their faith with their neighbor, or their coworker. But right. that's a, that's an interesting thing. And um, I've noticed that in my own experience, um, you, you got to take people and kind of get them out of their context and then put them back in there and now they have the confidence because they've done it in a right. in another setting to come right. back home and, and live that out. And, and I think especially among young folks, to get them exposed that way uh, can really make a, a, a life impact upon them. Uh, some of those young folks might very well respond to the call to be a missionary and go across the ocean, having just gone across the state to help in a, in an effort like that, because they, they see the need that's out there and, and how you can meet that need and through that show uh, the love of Christ and share the gospel. And so that's one thing we've seen by involving those younger folks. And the thing about North Carolina Baptist, again, you're not talking about having to travel so far. You're looking at less than a day's journey, and you don't have to spend many days, you know, uh, doing this. And so, uh, Steve, you might want to share uh, what's our next uh, effort, and when are we going? We're going to leave this Sunday, the 22nd, uh, that afternoon, right after certain, uh, about 2 o'clock or so, head out to wherever we're going. Again, right now, we don't know where we're going it's exactly. Uh, we may go to Hatteras, may go to Lumberton, may go to Newburn. Uh, but as we go over that way, uh, we'll get we'll get in place that night, Sunday night, uh, be ready to work Monday, we'll work through the week, and then uh, Saturday morning, pack up and come home. Yeah. And uh, all this is funded through the cooperative program and giving to the state and things of that nature, correct? Well, it's actually the, the, the North Carolina missions offering is where this is all funded through. Right. Which is time yeah. to take up right now. Exactly. This is the month that they really push that. The cooperative program does something a little bit different, but the North Carolina missions offering uh, is the one that funds the disaster relief end. Uh, you know, um, there's all the different pieces of equipment and all those kind of things when you go to a place. Right. That's what that uh, North Carolina missions offering funds, and that's where the disaster relief funds come from. It's an entity of the Baptist State Convention, right. but still, it's on its own. It's it gets its own funding through that. And when your church sees the efficiency that you know the feeding trailers and all, when they see the impact that they're giving, you know, I think it's probably the, one of the most efficient <laughs> things around. Is you know, churches try to take on things on their own, but this is a well machine that has made oh, yeah. a tremendous impact, and and it's it's great to be able to partner with that. As opposed to, well, we can do it our own. Yeah. You don't yeah. have any contacts, and you know you're yeah. out there. You struggle. Yeah. You struggle. But, but you went in there, going in with a group, and uh, you know, you, and, you, and the response of the people that where you go, 
Uh, you'll know, um, I had a guy once that he came in from across the street and we were in at a home and the way he was approaching me, I thought he was getting ready to body slam me, to be honest with you. He, he was coming on pretty aggressively and he gave me a big old bear hug. Now I was in Louisiana at that point in time. And he said, you know, thank you for coming all the way to help us, you know, and that's, that's the thing is you can, you can see, uh, how you're used, but it's again, a part of that whole uh, network, if you will, of, of churches that we, when we were in Louisiana, there was people from Oklahoma, Texas, Georgia, Florida, all there serving the same way. It's a big kingdom. It is. It is. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, and in, in, in Adam, following up on what you were saying, and I think Steve would vouch for our experience here, that it's a lot easier to get folks to give when they actually have experienced and have seen firsthand what's happening. You're not just showing them a video, although we show videos. You're not just, you know, having a big poster with a goal on there of what you're going to give, but they've had tangible involvement where they know their dollars are being invested and it's making a real kingdom uh, difference. And Steve, I, I mean, our offering's been growing every year and we don't do a big hoopla and rah-rah it's just what people been through haven't you seen that oh yes yes year after year as as they've seen that uh over and over the need is there and they see the the impact that has been made uh yes that that north carolina mission offering has been growing every year uh and of course the the, the above and above giving when the when the the big hurricanes hit mm-hmm. uh, special offerings are going above that right right so, uh, Benjamin, uh, have y'all had any involvement in this sort of thing out there, your fellowship? We haven't. Um, I'd love to. I, I think, uh, you know, we've been in revitalization for a while. And so one of the things that we're working towards is trying to kind of scale back up a lot of the ministry that we're doing. And that's definitely something that, you know, we would be interested in being involved in. I think, uh, you know, what I would say about it is historically, one of the things that's made Baptist unique um, is the kind of spirit of cooperation in Baptist churches. I mean, we use the cooperative program. We're one of the only denominations in the world that fully funds missionaries um, and other projects like this. And it's, it's really cool to see how, you know, it's not mega churches that are funding this stuff. Right. It's little country churches out in the middle of nowhere that are giving this offering and they may only give a thousand dollars a year. Or they may only, do something that, you know, in the scope of things, they could never really make an impact on their own on this scale. But if you go online and look at some of these videos, I mean, it blows my mind when you see, and it's not just Southern Baptist, it's North Carolina Baptist. I mean, my understanding is North Carolina Baptist disaster relief is actually one of the most effective disaster relief in the world. Yes, that's true. In the whole world. I mean, I've seen videos where uh, they were saying like a, like in uh, Houston, when that big hurricane came through Houston, there were uh, North Carolina Baptist Disaster Relief was there before FEMA was on scene. I mean, they beat the government to it. They were already there feeding people. They had people mobilized overnight, and it's all volunteers. You know, it's not a bunch of paid people, but you've right. got all kinds of skilled workers and laborers and counselors, and I mean, it's just unbelievable. I mean, I, I've seen videos of these semi-trucks that have the kitchens in them, you know, and shower trucks and stuff. And they'll roll up in there and crank out like 200,000 meals in a day, you know, and it's all volunteers. And you just see them just handing plates out left and right to these people. And I'm like, can you imagine being somebody that just lost everything you had and just see this wave of people come in with everything that you need? And not only that, but they want to talk to you. They care about you. They'll cry with you. They pray with you. I mean, 
when you want to talk about really getting somebody's attention of why are these people doing this, you know, because there's a lot of good organizations, but like, you know, you're not going to see Mormons out there serving 200,000 meals. You know what I mean? You know, there, there's a certain level of that. There's a local atheist group. Right. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and I mean, and, and, you know, to be fair, they do some of that stuff. But when you look at the scale of it, I mean, for, one of the things that makes me proud to be a Baptist is stuff like that, because these are people that you might have a team of people that's from five different parts of the country, you know, from 10 different Baptist churches. And they're all there because they got a phone call and said, we have a need, just like what you're saying. You know, we, we may not even know where we're going, but we're willing to go. We're prepared. We're ready and we're going to serve. And to me, that's just uh, an amazing thing. And to be able to be a part of something like that and the fact that they offer the training. I mean, there's really no reason why you shouldn't. Exactly. You know, because like, like, like the point that you've made, and I agree, Dennis, I think, I think for kids um, and teenagers, it's such a great opportunity because even those moments of just seeing somebody share the gospel and doing that, uh, we live in a day and age now where, where most people in church on Sunday morning have never actually even seen somebody hear the gospel aside from Sunday morning. They've right. never seen somebody do evangelism. And so, I mean, you're, you're right there. I mean, that's like low hanging fruit mm-hmm. for people that have nothing to turn to but God. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I, I think that that's one of the things that Baptists do really well. Um, and that it's encouraging to see, but I, I would encourage people listening. If you've never looked it up, go on YouTube and just look up Baptist disaster relief and look at some of these videos. Cause I mean, it's just unbelievable. Some of the resources and stuff that we have and the idea of a church like mine, that's not a big church being able to actually give. And even if, even if we can't go, if we can pay for some of those meals or pay for some of those Bibles that are get, getting handed out or some of those clothes that are being given to kids or whatever it is. Um, but knowing that it's not just the stuff, you know what I mean? But the fact of, you know, I, I know the thing I've looked in is counselor training. They've got counselor training. of They've got just teams of counselors sure. that just sit and work with people. And, you know, they're sharing the gospel, mm-hmm. you know, when they're sitting there talking to people like that. And so it's just it's a good investment of time and energy and resources for, for any church. Yeah. And just to keep beating that same drum. Uh, you know, as you were talking about your church and its involvement and some of the struggles and how you're trying to, to move ahead, but still a, a small uh, church working at revitalization, uh, if there's one person or two people, they can get connected with other churches and that ministry and get involved. It's not like you have to have a large group going from your church, but then those people can become the spark to take that back into the congregation. And I think where God really blesses is when we stop focusing so much on what happens within those four walls, but uh, what happens out there to a world that uh, Jesus came and died for. And and to me, that's the, the significant thing. So, um, Steve, let me go beyond with that last hurricane and talk about just in North Carolina as we start to head down the home stretch and finish this podcast. I know you also have had some connections with folks in the Bahamas and uh, uh, Abaco yes. uh, in particular, which uh, the video I've seen is like a nuclear weapon went off and that place is just wiped out. So uh, kind of tell me a little bit about what's going on down there, what you're, what you're hearing and how we can pray uh, and maybe be involved in the future in that. Well, the devastation, as you're seeing, is so widespread that they're having to start where to even start. Uh, you know, there, there's buildings that are, there's nothing there. 
You know, so like when we're talking about in some of the instances where we're talking about some of these of taking, you know, drywall out, well, there's no walls to be taken. It's just gone. Uh, so, so the, the international gospel mission is the ministry that I was involved with, Pastor Robin Weatherford, and, and they're right now trying to assess where to even start. Uh, my understanding is they're not even able to be on the island because there's nothing there. The church, the mission that they were running, Probably all no, that had been no power, no water, no food, nothing. Exactly. Exactly. And they're still working on recovering of, of, of people, uh, that have, have passed away in the, in the storm. Uh, the, the village that I was uh, ministering to uh, was a Haitian village. It was a large village, uh, but it was very much shanty shack kind of construction and where they were at. The, the, and so that, as I saw a video today, it's totally wiped out. Sure. Um, so how many losses of life are there? So there's just a, such a, a drastic need right now. Of course, the biggest push is, is getting food and supplies and those kind of things are the basic necessities down there. Uh, to even start the cleanup is just so far beyond uh, scope. It's just it's beyond what we could even imagine uh, by all that we're hearing. Uh, all I know for you know in contact is that the pastor, pastor Robin and his family are, are alive. Uh, but as far as even thinking about what's the next step of the ministry, it's so far beyond because they're right now just trying to basic survival. Right. Well, and and so to wind this thing up, it is a, a solemn reminder to all of us that a disaster can come and strike any of us or any of our churches, our people. I mean, we've had flooding here in our area as well. Uh, but if, if something like that, all those folks who lost their life, if they were not ready, prepared to meet God, then there's no second chance. If we're going to get the gospel out there, we've got to have an urgency about what we do and and not be so wrapped up in things that are of secondary importance when we got to make the main thing the main thing. So I want to ask you out there as, as you're listening and thinking about this, uh, what if a tornado, a hurricane, an earthquake, a fire, what if something affected your neighbors? Uh, are you confident that those folks have at least had an opportunity to hear the gospel? Uh, have you reached out to them in love? Uh, would they be prepared to meet God? Uh, and and there's so many opportunities that are before us. And so uh, I think about uh, C.T. Studd and what he said years ago, only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. So I appreciate Brother Steve and how he leads our efforts here at Pole Creek. It's good to have folks on staff that have a heart for the gospel. Uh, he's not just up there directing music on Sunday. He's out directing uh, evangelistic efforts during the week. And uh, so we all need to set that pace. And uh, so if you want to get involved, BaptistOnMission.org is a great place to start. And who knows how God might use you. Uh, God is not uh, calling the qualified. He's qualifying the called. So thanks for tuning in. You can continue the conversation online by visiting us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash the number four horsemen. Don't forget to tell your friends and enemies about the podcast and be sure to subscribe and review. They look at me funny when I talk like I got a speech impediment. Homie, check my passport. Heaven, I'm a resident. Like a conscious rapper, but do more than master president. I see brothers coughing, so I hit them with the medicine. On the other side, they say their grass is greener. Seen the forecast, man, they calling for Katrina.